0: Welcome listeners to the 11th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhertz. with me today are co-hosts and powerful wizards Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Further, we have a guest with us today again, big welcome to Joel Grenehed. And as always, warmest of welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome, Joel. Hello, and thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech app. In today's episode, we will talk to Joel about winning the Trolleywood Legacy Paper Tournament that Robin gave us a report from last week and his uh, experiences in organizing the Discord Paper Legacy Tournaments during COVID life. As usual, we will also discuss the Paper Legacy we've played since last week's episode. And with Joel, we will discuss Blue-Red Delver, as he is a Blue-Red Delver slinger. We'll talk about where that deck is currently, and of course, which basic lands to really put in that deck. Before all that though, Joel, allow me to help our listeners get to know you better. When did you start playing Legacy? What decks do you prefer? And what was it like winning the Trolleywood Tournament?
1: Yeah, hi guys. I started playing Magic in I think 2003, maybe 2 or 4. But uh, I remember I think Darksteel or maybe Fifth Dawn was my first set. But I played only Kitchen Table, a lot of Commander for like 10 years. And then I built Modern in 15 and 2016 in the spring I built Elves. And that was my first legacy deck. Inspired by Julian, and yeah, looks fun. And turns out, Legacy was so great.
2: Yeah, love, really love to see a, a green combo deck. Just had to throw that in. Um, Elves is just such a beautiful Legacy deck, and I really, I really enjoy watching Elves players sling those cards.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have so much fun memories of that deck, and uh, it's super fun to play. I've got to say, sadly, I sold the cradles to buy blue duels <laughs> so i mean not sadly i love the blue duels i moved on to delver in autumn of 2017 and since then i've dabbled in a lot of decks i played some mono brown cloud post i've played some combo storm depths and uh, i always end up back selling the combo cards and getting back to blue mostly delver some control Played a lot of Grixis Control, I li- really loved that deck. I want to play Kulligan's Commands, but 3 mana for that is uh, not really okay now.
0: So what about uh, your latest achievement?
1: Yeah, so I played Blue-Red Delver. I like Delver, and Delver is good, so uh, it was an easy choice for me this time. My list, it's uh, 4 Ragavan, 4 Dragon Street Channeler, 2 Delvers, 4 Merktides, 2 Mishra's Bauble, 4 Ponder, 4 Brainstorm, 4 expressive iterations, 4 days, 4 force of will, 4 lightning bolts, 2 unholy heat, 3 volcanic islands, 2 islands, 1 mountain, 4 scalding tarns, 2 polluted delta, 1 flooded strand, 1 mystery rainforest, 4 wasteland. And in the sideboard, 1 graftigers cage, 2 surgical extractions, 1 caracas, 1 meltdown, 2 abrades, 2 submerges, 1 blazing volley, 2 pyroblasts one Red Elemental Blast, one Blue Elemental Blast, and one Blood Moon. So the list is based on a challenge list from like a month ago I think, or three weeks, with some alterations by my friend Jacob and me. I was on vacation for like three weeks and then had one week back in Uppsala before this tournament, so I was a bit rusty on Paper Magic I would say, even though I had kept up with lists. Uh, so I took Jacob's advice and tried two Delvers.
3: I just want to say, I think it was really cool that you sort of brought the same deck, uh,
1: the entire Uppsala crew. I think David didn't want to cut Delvers, so he had a little different than me and Jacob. But uh, yeah, we were all on blue red Delver, and I guess like maybe 67 out of the 75 was the same, I think.
2: Yeah, I must, I must uh, say that uh, as a person who comes from Uppsala, you know, when Robin said, yeah, the Uppsala team was there, you know, three players, they were all on Blue Red Delver. I was like, wait, what has happened? Uh, like when I, uh, I was thinking about um, what has happened, uh, what's Uppsala, but I, I also realized that I moved 10 years ago <laughs> from the city uh, this August. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, like um, when, when I lived in Uppsala, it was a lot of Yank uh, or or really efficient combo players, and this is like the opposite of combo and the opposite of Yank. This is just like the stone dead killer, and it's it's really cool. Uh, I'm gonna ask about those delver cuts later, uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's go through your results.
1: Round one got the pairing, and so I was up against Bjorn Arna, and uh, I know who he is, I don't know him very well personally, but like this guy is probably top three players in the room. A bit like, like a shock, okay well, back to Paper Magic after a month, let's go. I would say I won mostly out of luck, Bjorn crushed me in game one, he played blueback shadow and just had mono creatures that burn does not kill. So I just got stonewalled and then beat down to zero fast. But in game 2 he mauled to 5 and I had a turn 1 Ragavan, I think like with a day's and Wasteland. So he scooped it up pretty early. It wasn't gonna be pretty. And then in game 3 I mauled to 6, but he mould to 4. And then we killed each other's threats, or mostly he fatal pushed like 3 or 4 of my threats. But he couldn't really get going and in the end... I managed to put some pressure on the board, and he was super close to turning it. I set up a flip with my Delver on like a dace or something, which I fetch in play. Uh, I was dead on the swing back unless I drew something. So I flipped the Delver, I fetched to draw something new, and then there's a bolt of a top. I swing, and he's like, oh, you drew the bolt. And I did. So I was super lucky. And this is
0: you playing only two Delvers to begin with.
1: Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> there's still a bolt each turn when they swing. For three, so still good when they do their thing. How good
2: is uh, expression with iteration in in a matchup like this, when you just take out each other's threat either by counter or uh, removal, and then just ripping an iteration late game? It must be like a dig for time almost.
1: It's good. I don't think I draw one. Maybe I drew one, but he countered it with Drown or something. I don't remember resolving one, but um, I, it it should be super brutal. Yeah. That must be the best feeling. Yeah, like
2: uh, I can just imagine you sitting there, you fatal pushed everything, you're hell bent, and your opponent just
1: rips a card and it's iteration. I think that's game. I mean, in top tank mode, it's yeah, it's so good. So, round two, I'm up against Robin, another guy I know. <laughs> Just this killer row of good players. I had seen Robin on standstill, blue-white standstill, with sharks and uh, cool enchantments and stuff in the Discord League. So I was like, yeah, it's probably gonna be grindy. I keep a hand accordingly, and Robin has turned to merit, game one. (laughs) And I just, yeah, I I have no wasteland. I didn't mull for wasteland. So I lose to merit, game one. Game two and three. Were kind of similar, I think. Game 2 was the one where I hit you with Delver and uh, got a duress of it. And uh, took a Stifle from your hand. And then I had double Wasteland, so you couldn't protect the combo. Yeah, that was really rough. <laughs> yeah. And Game 3, I just had like early threat into Merktide, Murktide and... The pressure was too much i think you had the combo right like the last turn but
3: yeah i think you had one wasteland and i just needed to draw something and i just i just draw like uh, rainbow lands i think i sort of flooded out in the end
1: yeah so that, I, I got pretty lucky there too i would say like you uh, my, my hand really cooperated i had like sketchy keeps both games two and three and obviously game one since i didn't think you were on a fast combo deck Uh, The deck really carried me like all day, I've got to say. I didn't think I would win a lot of these matches, but turns out I did. Round 3, I played against another guy I've played against before, uh, Andreas. And he was on... He's always on colorless all the times I faced him. So I was expecting cloud post, but it turned out he was playing Eldrazi Stompy, which was harder. Uh, So I think I won... Game one, uh, of an early Merktide, relatively early. We we fought with some smaller creatures first, but then the Merktide's just like bigger than all these creatures and kills him super fast. Game two, he played like two lock pieces and locked me out, I think. Yeah, it wasn't really close.
2: But yeah, this, this really feels like one of the matchups that uh, the new the new frets of uh, blue red delver really makes a difference, uh, or especially Murktide, like you mentioned, because uh, I've I played uh, this matchup quite a bit with Canadian threshold, <laughs> with the, with a the bad Canadian threshold also yeah. with the nimble mongoose and everything, and that matchup uh, felt yeah. impossible.
1: No, you just gotta have Goyfs, that's all that matters. Yeah, you,
2: you gotta have Goyfs, and uh, some of them go even bigger, you know, to yeah. to the one of Olamog or something, just to be able to push through the extra. But Merktite just seems so sick in this matchup. Like, it's uh, it's gonna be the biggest creature. Like, I've personally not casted a smaller Merktite than a 6-6, and Delver does it a lot better than a lot of decks i've been trying it in
1: yeah <laughs> i've i've cast force, but um i mean that's usually because i already have like a six six in play oh oh so then you grow that one too yeah <laughs> oh man wow, that's sick so i mean ragavan is not good against the drowsy stumpy but another one drop that gets to three and the Mark Tide, that's super good so, like, this iteration has gone down a little bit on Force of uh, Negations, right? So you want to play one? No, I don't play anyone. I think the, like, recent most well-performing lists play one. But, uh, I mean, we used to be on two, like, for a year. So yeah. it's, always, it's definitely a step down in Forces. Yeah, because uh, otherwise you have usually
3: the answers for <laughs> for the for the chalices, or at least the turn one chalice, and and the, like the
1: late game chalice doesn't really matter. I haven't been concerned with Chalice for a good while, but you gotta respect it now.
0: But also, like I mean, in the end, you can still cast your spells to just feed the dragon, which will win you the game against, I guess, most chalice stacks.
1: And like if they if they activate ancient tomb twice. Most of the time, Dragon is probably gonna like, hit them two times and they're dead.
0: And that's a deck that wants to activate Ancient Tomb.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna get ahead of mana, and they need to get ahead of mana, they gotta do that. I just noticed,
2: and you went you went through your decklist, uh, you're playing two Submerge. Did you bring them in
1: against Robin? I'm super curious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I brought them in in game two. Because <laughs> I hadn't seen what uh, list he was on. I have only seen, since he made Merit turn two... He had Urborg. You and gotta that. bring him. And like, yeah, I, I, Rainbow Depth, I think, is super good. And I don't know why people aren't playing that. So I brought them in. You can theoretically outcast them after a few Regovan hits.
0: And then I guess uh, you, uh, you drew uh, intentionally rounds 4 and 5, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, so I was one of the higher seeds on... I think then it got to the top eight so I was the fifth seed for top eights. we had actually the lone oro player was playing burn which uh, is pretty hot yeah that was really cool uh, quarterfinals I'm on the draw I see early whitened blue mana and an ursa saga so I'm like oh this is just guy saga and that's a really tricky matchup that I had only played once and not did so well I got lucky. I had a early Ragavan into Delver and Chandler and Chandler. He got to make constructs and get the retrofitter Foundry. But in the end, I could kill a construct uh, to allow me to swing with my team. I killed the construct. I had uh, he had a Soul Guide Lantern in play that he had drawn and and cast. So Soul Guide, construct, and Mox Diamond. And I had Delirium for the Unholy Heat, which was an interesting situation. So I could Unholy Heat the Construct. He could sacrifice his uh, artifact to destroy my graveyard, but then he only had two artifacts, so it would die either way. Uh, So I got in and brought him down to like five or something like that. After that, and he next turn, he made a Construct and got his Foundry, but by then I had two Flyers or three so he was dead anyway
3: so you sort of aggroed him out
1: then he, he didn't really stabilize i just happened to have a good hat against what he had because he didn't really have removal he just had like sagas game two he opened up on forest elvish reclaimer so it wasn't just guy i only had seen the blue and white it turned out it was banned saga and uh, he really crushed me that game I got through the early game by wasting his non-basics, but, I mean, that's kind of not good when he has a reclaimer in play. <laughs> but my only hope was that he, like, missed on land drops and couldn't get above one or two lands. But he he had a lot of lands, so... He got uh, flagstones and then just went into sagas and crushed me. And game three, I don't remember really, but I think... Yeah, I just had a good curve, and he couldn't keep up. Then in the semis, I'm up against DNT. I thought, once I, once I saw there was a DNT player in the top eight, I hope, <laughs> I hope I don't play against DNT because I haven't geared against DNT. Game one, I was on the draw again. I had another aggressive hand, but I didn't have removal, so he got to get a GTA into action and started in the end to be pinging off my dudes. One turn I played another Chandler, even though I think he could kill it. I hope to make him spend his counters to not kill me and then hopefully be able to bolt his stoneforge. And he made a misplay. He attacked with the stoneforge with one counter on the GTA And I didn't want him to get up to three to kill my Chandler. So I bolted the Stormf- stoneforge knowing he could pump it to save it and get two counters but it wasn't three counters but uh, he he let it go so the stoneforge died and uh, yeah that's where the game started swinging we were both just top taking for a long time I drew iteration into ponder into iteration but no merc tides he had uh, plowed one tide so there was three left and I just kept going through my deck, like, where's my Murktide? Murktide's got to kill him so fast. In the meantime, he tries to play some equipments. I think I got to Daze the Batterskull, which also felt like a big win. But in the end, I got to the Murktide and crushed him.
2: Dazing the Batterskull, I'm thinking about, there was this GP, uh, I think 2008 or something, uh, where there was a Death Shadow player against the DNT. i Not sure if it, it was on camera, but it was the triple Daze on batter skull uh, where the where the death right uh, where the uh, death shadow player already had like one or two of that one mana black enchantment that uh, gives minus one minus one, one white creatures and it was dread just this yeah dread of night and it was just the sickest board state and uh, the first days <laughs> it pays second days pays and i think it was up to three it's on it, i think it's recorded it was on camera it was just disgusting but any time you can daze a batter skull as a delver player you just fist bump mentally you're like got there joel
1: yeah that that daze is so dead <laughs> that's five mana right yeah and it, it should be dead just let it be dead yeah batter skull deserves a lot of respect in this matchup game two we both mauled to six i think i was on the draw again he didn't have a vial but he had to turn to Thalia and I got to cantrip into a Delver and like so I had a Volk. I didn't have that many lands so I had to fetch Volks and that's not a good feeling. But I had a Volk, played a Delver, he played a Thalia, I played a Wasteland out and I think I think I cantripped again or something like that. Then he he played a Spirit of the Labyrinth and then wasted my Volk. But I had left another Volk on top and the Blazing Volley. So I untapped, played my second mana, blazing volleyed his and Spirit uh, and I was left with the only threat on board and I think his hand was kind of dead after that. So it took some, some terms to win but uh, after clearing the board like that, Expressive Iteration just ran away with stuff. So yeah, my, my deck really pulled through when it needed because yeah, if I didn't have that blazing volley I would be so far behind.
0: I mean, as a as and player, there are definitely ways that you can build that makes any Delver iteration really beatable. Save for Oko times, but that's something else. So uh, I, I can imagine you being happy uh, pulling through.
1: Yeah, I'm always scared of that matchup. I think I win it relatively often, but it's always like on a hair, you have to make exactly no mistakes, because once you make one mistake, you're dead. <laughs>
0: So then finals, what happened then? Yeah,
1: finals. Uh, I I had seen this player play, but I didn't remember what he was playing. And uh, it turned out it was Blue-Green-Titan-Lands. He played against uh, one of my teammates earlier and just crushed. But against me, he never got to his Mace of its, And that means Mirktide is really good. Because I can just keep swinging in the air. He got to zombies with Field of Dead every game. But it didn't matter. Because I had 10 flying power. And like I play basics. It's uh, back to blue-red. So I can pay for some ports. And uh, pay for Tabernacle. Yeah, I
2: really like this uh, Titan Lands deck. I actually tried a bug version of it. Uh, when people were uh, brewing. I think it was post ban. That it uh, was, uh, yeah. Uh, and people were, you know, I, I, my deck tried uh, four intuition, and uh, some people put Ravens' Crime with their loams. Oh but, wow! Uh, Love the, that. But but a lot of uh, a lot of the wins was just with like four Oko and two Primeval Titan, and then you just put the cavern on Titan and just jam, 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 <laughs> and just kill the opponent.
1: I saw those um, like controlish, landish builds, really euro based. But this was really like lands, but uh, green instead of red. It was Explorations, Loams, but uh, he played Intuition too. Uh, Really, really cool deck, but uh, he couldn't get the cards he needed, and I took two games. So that was the
0: tournament. That's fantastic. And just like you going to this paper event, and you going undefeated the whole way, taking down blue green titan land in the finals like these are things that happen in paper legacy i just want to <laughs> shout that out this is fantastic congratulations uh, on your win that's uh, well deserved
1: i love winning it's good but playing paper magic again like this was this was the first real paper magic in front of people that i played in yeah, since october so that was the best thing
0: well, again, that's great. Uh, well done, Joel, on that tournament. It's, and it's lovely to have you on the cast. Welcome again. Um, we also wanted to talk to you, of course, not uh, only on these uh, exciting tournament paper results, but also because you have played a big role in making it possible for people like us to play Legacy in paper during COVID-19 lockdown live. Why did you decide to organize Paper Legacy over Discord and how has that been?
1: Yeah, um, first and foremost, I gotta say, Peter Engström, who is organizing the league with me, he's at least half of the crew, so big thanks to him for being with me on this. Why I organized it? Uh, yeah, so we, we went to the Swedish championship up in Örnsköldsvik in October last year, I think. Yeah, it was a little better on the COVID front at that point. Uh, and then once we got back, everything got locked down, and uh, no telling how long it's gonna be. So for like November and half of December, I just wait and hope. Um, oh, maybe maybe paper magic in January. Maybe pa- maybe paper magic in February. And then once like Christmas starts rolling around, it's like no, it's probably not gonna happen for a long time and like magic is uh, a passion and an addiction for me i had to find a way to play i tried some uh, magic online during uh, 2020 but it's not for me i just think it's too boring
3: i completely agree i also bought into magic online played a
1: couple of games and then just sold the deck (laughs) yeah yeah i sold my last stuff this this spring I can't do it. It's like when you have some tedious assignment that you just gotta do, and everything around home, just like cleaning the sink or whatever, it's like, oh, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why? Why did I get into magic online when I just wanna like clean some clothes or yeah, do whatever
2: instead? I think I think it becomes less special uh, when you just uh, sit down. You don't have a face to an opponent uh, to the opponent you're playing. Uh, you're just putting in the grind Uh, for some people if they're streaming and they have an audience like a community it's it's it can be quite different or someone who just really appreciates the grind but i think that's the reason why why i haven't really gotten into it in the first place for me i kind of always knew that i'm doing this you know i'm putting away time to meet friends and uh, it's a special thing to go to a place and play and yeah that's I, i can totally understand
1: that I mean, Magic is one of the biggest social outlets in my life, so I totally relate there. And even though like playing on a webcam is not the same as meeting up and playing in real life, but it's so much closer than Magic Online. I can grab my coffee, I can, we can sit and talk and have fun. So I also wanted to like preserve the community, because I think we have a really nice legacy community here in Sweden. Like, it's kind of split up in different cities, but it's small enough that I think, like, for those of us who are grinding or, like, going to a lot of tournaments, we kind of know each other a little bit, and I I don't want people to go back after COVID and, like, yeah, I used to play Legacy, but I haven't done that in a while, and, yeah, I got new interests. I wanted them to be able to keep playing and... Hopefully, we'd have the community still intact after the COVID times. Yeah, I can guess uh, a lot of people
3: were considering selling off cards during COVID. I mean, uh, I mean, sales did increase, <laughs> uh, but but I can think of uh, a lot of people who who would do the opposite and just sell off the cards.
2: Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of people. You know. Uh... Uh, not outraged. I think that's an exaggeration, but uh, been quite displeased with some printings and uh, um, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, there's been some controversy that some people has just been like, you know what, I can take this time and money and play World of Warcraft or uh, start building Warhammer instead. And uh, I've I've seen a lot of friends uh, that i've uh, seen play magic for a long time actually sell like uh, 80 percent of their collection or or more um during covid and uh, the funny thing is now uh, i see some of them starting to you know slowly buy back a bit and i'm like yeah that's what i'm talking about you're (laughs) you never get away
0: and that's also i mean i mean one of the reasons for us to do this podcast as well is to to give something back to everyone. Because, I mean, for you, Joel, what I'm hearing is that this is a lot about establishing and maintaining and nurturing community. Uh, And doing this podcast, for me, is very much the same thing. Because I think that since Legacy is such a huge commitment, time-wise, financially, everyone who plays Legacy actively is, just by playing, you are helping to create and recreate that community because you... You do such a large investment of your time and, and, and finances. So doing this podcast is also a way for us to give back to that community building by giving these people material to to listen to and, and to interact with. Uh, and I, I'm hearing similar things from you.
1: And I must say I, I was so happy when I saw you were starting this podcast because I, I really enjoy the European podcasts for Legacy, but I, I've been wanting a Swedish one because we have a great community and it's always nice when it, I know these guys and now we got that too. So yeah, that's great and keep keep doing it.
0: So when COVID restrictions lifts even more, do you think you will keep on organizing tournaments in paper? Did you get a taste for it? I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I've been
1: like organizing casual or like not so serious just get-togethers for legacy. We aren't that many legacy players here in Uppsala, so if we're lucky, we'll get to 8 to have a Swiss, but then everyone's gonna have time for a Swiss, and that's not a certain either. I try to at least help like organize, hey, we meet up at this cafe, hey, you can come over to me and we'll play for a night. We'll see what happens. Uh, I hope we'll be able to improve and uh, build the community to a point where we can have more regular actual like swiss events not just like we sit down i think if you arrange a little bit
3: larger tournaments you could attract a big chunk of the stockholm crowd as well
1: Uh, i'm thinking about how to do it but we'll see Uh, something's gonna come it's just gonna need some time to grow in my brain
0: also, not not giving away too much, but for listeners, there are also plans in the works from people behind this podcast to to make sure that some form of regular paper play in both sort of weekly Swiss formats, but also perhaps larger weekend tournaments emerge at some point in 2021. Uh, so stay tuned.
1: Looking forward to that too. I mean, the the distance to Uppsala, from Uppsala to Stockholm is the same. Like So I'll be going to Stockholm sooner or later too. Regarding the webcam league, uh, we'll see what happens with it. I think if people start playing more locally, like in paper, maybe the interest is not the same. But we'll keep it open and if there's enough interest and people who want to step up. Because both me and Peter have been a bit tired the last month. So it's we're like in a state of flux right now where we, we aren't really sure what's going to come.
0: And I'm glad you're recognizing that. I mean, I've been organizing tournaments myself and it's a lot of work. And you should do it only if it sort of gives you energy and isn't impacting on the rest of your life in a way that becomes sort of you don't want it to become a chore. You want it to become a source of enjoyment. Uh, and eventually, organizing tournaments is a lot of work. It's taxing on you and your energy. So uh, hopefully, also if you listen to this and you feel that why isn't a tournament happen, like consider, you know, could you perhaps also organize a tournament uh, that you want to see happen, just as Joel did?
1: And we have a for- we have a format, and like we have a Discord server where everything is there, and we have players. So if someone wants to take up the stick, and just like we play for a night, it's super easy.
0: Speaking of Paper Legacy, I believe all of us got to sling cardboard in this past week. Robin, what magic have you been playing?
3: I have been playing quite a lot this week, actually. Uh, started out playing uh, on Discord both Wednesday and Thursday, uh, playing Bant Control. It didn't go very well for me, and I'm not really happy about where the state of the deck is. Mostly I dislike the tension between... Like a million of cards that cantrips and then terminus which you are supposed to draw just in your draw phase or <laughs> as your first card in your opponent's turn. It's very hard to set up in this deck I, mean, I think and you you likely draw it on accident. And uh, uh, there's also like the issue with the mana base is not really like white is the third color so it's a little bit hard to play supreme verdict against the wasteland deck. And then there's also this sort of tension between playing quite a lot of creatures and uh, sweepers on top of that, so... I, I I don't think that the deck is badly built, it's just not my kind of playstyle, I think. It's a little bit too much in between uh, control relying on Terminus and sort of mid-range relying on Euro. So, uh, right now I'm experimenting with a more mid-range build, uh, something like a SnoCo for 2021. Uh, where I'm gonna try to replace Oko with Grist and Astrolay with Abundant Harvest and Decay with Prismatic Ending. Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> so, and and uh, such a light black splash can support Plague Engineers in the board and then I don't really think that you need sweepers in such, such decks, you can play more creatures instead. Then I hosted a legacy get-together at my place on this uh, Saturday and uh, I was uh, Having two decks sleeved up for this, uh, more of a fun deck, Banana Goblins, that is Goblins featuring Ragavan of course, and a more spiky deck, the Turbo Depths that I brought to to Trolleywood. And uh, Depths went undefeated through the night and felt really strong. And I have this tech that I've been trying out from uh, Modern Horizons 2. It's called Blacksmith's Skill. It's a common, uh, instant for one white mana, And it says target permanent gains hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. And then there's a flavor text that doesn't really matter. If it's an artifact creature, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. But the thing here is, of course, that target permanent gains hexproof. And you may think that you have seen similar cards like this before, but most of them say target creature and... I'm not aware of any card that says target permanent against Hexproof. And it's unique in that effect because it protects both your Depths from a Wasteland when you're making Merrick Lage and the Merrick Lage from sort of Crackers, Plow or Petty Theft when it's in play. Uh, I've been trying it and I'm seeing it sort of taking the place of maybe one of the Stifles, maybe two of the Stifles. I mean obviously Stifle is better against the fair decks like Storm and Doomsday but when you, in turn one, just you want to force your combo through, the blacksmith skill is a little bit more versatile card than than Stifle is. And it's also easier to cast, actually, since you play Caracas and Zyldir Step. It was nice to have a little bit of magic gathering here, and also get to make some awesome Magic the Gathering trades going, and that was, like, very nostalgic and a fun moment to trade some cards.
2: I I just gotta say, when you said banana goblins, my head was screaming Tasiger because it's just like the biggest banana creature there is. Uh, I mean, sure, Ragavan, uh, I don't know, I I he has gems, you know, treasures,
3: but Tasiger is the banana king. I stole that from a streamer that has been calling his red uh, Maverick deck Banana Maverick because he plays four (laughs) Ragavans.
0: Looking forward, Christopher, to you bringing um, Tassigur goblins to uh, Wiken. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yes, wow. I mean, uh, Robin, as the saying goes, congratulations on the enormity of your success. I was present and got to see this Rainbow Death stack really just crush, Christopher, did you win anything this week?
2: I did. I think I, I played this Wednesday tournament and to put my money where my mouth is, I tried the Blue-White Brew that I talked about a couple of weeks ago that featured Lavinia, Teferi, and Spellquellers, And and Suspend, you know, the new Swords to Plowshares in blue. <laughs> but yeah, the list was very cool, and it had a really true Control-esque feeling to it. And it's trying to bank on the opponent, not like ending up in really weird situations, you know. A Lavinia hits play, so you can't daze without paying the mana cost you can't force a will you can't play karn if you have free lands. so it's it's just like a really controlly and annoying deck to to play against the you know just imagine playing a four drop and it it gets spell quellered and then the turn after i play teferi and bounce my spell queller so you're just your card is exiled forever so it was it was just some some small things that i wanted to try uh, that just was really nice you know putting in a, a sweet spell seeker to find those ephemerates or find the uh, whatever which one of the seven removal spells you need you know sword of plowshares prismatic endings it's it's just like a really cool deck and playing tr- like free teferi also just lets you resolve a lot of things if it gets into play and that's where the nightmare begins where you can just like plus teferi with personal tutor and have entreat and terminus in the deck it's just a very, very cool, cool brew. Um, but yeah, I, I played against Robin uh, on Bant. And uh, yeah, he he didn't draw all that many lands, which which was a shame. Uh, because this is a deck, I think it would have been very tight if you would have not missed land drops uh, in the beginning. Because this deck, imagine playing Lavinia's, Teferi's, and
3: Spellquellers. If you miss land drops, you're going to fall behind really bad. After a few matches, I was actually... I can't do this mana base. I need to switch some of the of the harvest into actual lands because you need to draw actual lands as well. Yeah,
2: you, you're playing 19 lands with was it two or three harvests? Three, right? The the list
3: that I that I started from was 18 lands and three harvests.
2: Oh. yeah, that's uh that's crazy. That's a 2011 Canadian threshold amount <laughs> <laughs> of lands. But yeah, uh, then I I played against Echo Karn and this deck is just built to crush those decks it plays leds lotus petals uh think about all of the cards that lavinia just counters and then you just have the spell quellers you play six forces yeah it it was it was a 2-0 victory and it 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 felt like one of those matchups if you would have played 10 games it would have been 9-1 or 10-0 it's just like such a brutal deck but this was not the highlight of my magic week. My highlight was uh, when I played against Robin uh, not long after. Because I saw the most beautiful, beautiful rebirth of Shekpile in the deck dump. I used to play Shackpile a lot uh, because I really like greedy decks. It was Shekpile, Aluren and the Painter for a long time uh, for for me. And I saw this, you know, like... Checkpile, what is it? It's a blue-black uh, control deck that's greedy enough to splash green and red, sometimes white, just to get all of the best blue cards, uh, or uh, <laughs> the best cards that accompany blue cards. So you get, like, yeah, historically, Deathrite, Astrolabe, and Ren Six just allows you to play all of the cards you want. Collagens Command, Oko, Teferi, uh, no, like, everything, every, everything you might need. I'm missing all of the things that fixes my mana. Astrolabes, uh, you know, Ren and Six. You don't have that anymore. So what do you have? It's a one drop for one red. <laughs> so yeah, I played four Ragavan. <laughs> and this list was just brutal. It was four Ragavan, four Strix, three Euro, two Leovold as the creatures, four Bolts, four Trophy, four Brainstorm, and Ponders. Uh two Drown in the Lock, one Yeast the Mine Sculptor, six forces, two Civil Library with twenty lands. And this is this was just such a joy to play. Uh it was it had a such a crazy dynamic. When I played Am I the Aggro deck? Depends on my hand, but I'm gonna win most of the late games anyways, because I'm playing Uro, Jace, Sylvan, uh, Leovold... It was just such a fun fun deck to play against. And uh, Robin, on the other side of the spectrum, how how did this deck feel like?
3: I mean turn one Ragavan is always hard for any deck to sort of cope with. And when you like follow that up with a Leovold. <laughs> that was that was really rough. I, I think I lost to Leovald all of the games I lost was to Leovald like drawing you five cards or something like that because I had a carpet in play and then just ruining my cantrips. And as I said, my entire deck banned all the cards, they are cantripping on the same turn. And so like all of the value just disappears when the wall is in play. So yeah, it was uh, terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, it it usually feels
2: really good in these matchups when you have your carpet early uh, because you're going to, especially nowadays, you have all these mana sinks. You have... A shark typhoon or you have uro you have all of these really big massive payoffs and you know I, I i'm sitting there like full full joker in dark knight like let's put a smile on that face and just jam leovold into his <laughs> carpet and then just over f- five or six turns just draw the the same amount of cards just by his carpet so yeah i had a great time it was
1: it was cool i gotta try that sounds so fun
0: Also reminds us that Leovold is such a really good magic card. It's just that there have been so many other magic cards that have been even better that have been played in the last couple of years, Uh, but most of them are banned now. So we get to rediscover exactly how good this card is.
1: Yeah, and you need to justify playing black. Yeah, I I really I really
2: enjoy the uh, when you're playing in paper especially because you don't get this when you're playing online. When I'm sitting across uh, across a player like Robin and he has a carpet in play and I got my Leovold, when he is untapping, I put my finger slowly on the Leovold, because <laughs> he won't be able to get around it. What is he going to do remove it? I'm still going to get the trigger. Or he gets to his main phase and I'm still gonna get the trigger. It's it's beautiful. So it's it's one of those things where you can slowly just move your finger and the opponent feels worse every time. So what about you Victor, Uh, did you get to sling all the cards that you wanted this week?
0: I did, actually. I visited Robin's house for an evening of fantastic cardboard. Among other decks, I brought my uh, Fit director deck that I've been working on for quite a while, and I played that to a uh, mixed bag of success, I'd say, but with some really good games. Like, specific games were excellent uh, this evening. First match was against Robin's Rainbow Deaths, and you can all guess how that turned out. But in the first game, I managed to navigate into putting overwhelming splendor on the battlefield, which rendered a scoop, unsurprisingly. And then games two and three, sort of just early Marital Age come down, and I have nothing to do about that. And I think the matchup is a bit awkward, because my answers to Marital Age are basically either Overwhelming Splendor uh, or Swords to Plowshares, uh, and Rainbow Death has a very good sideboard to protect itself from both these strategies. I think uh, I'll, I'll get back later on to ideas on what I could do about that uh, once I've... Run through the other matches, uh, but the matches were fun regardless. I mean, uh, looking at that rainbow, that stack working its way through, winning is is um, joyful. In retrospect, at the at the time, it feels sort of you know it's a bit of a feel bad. Second match, uh, I played the mirror which I, of course, uh, have never expected to do. Uh, but someone else brought a rector nick fit list. There were quite some big differences, though, between the the lists. Uh, the main one being that I play both the rectors, both Arena Rector and Academy Rector. So I tried to search for both Planeswalkers and Enchantments, and my opponent was only playing Arena Rector. And secondly, perhaps more importantly, I play A couple of opposition agents in my list and let me tell you how good opposition agent is against an opponent that has a deck that's based around searching the library it's really very amazing first first game uh, he's on the play Um, i pass three open mana one of them being cavern of souls on human Uh, he has an an explorer in play so i'm hoping of course that i'm going to get the insane value of flashing in a blocking opposition agent but he instead he plays a fetch land and cracks it so i only got to take out the bayou from his deck and then sort of put it in exile <laughs> and he's like Alright, uh, right um yeah past turn <laughs> so it was uh, it felt a bit um i felt i had the upper hand to begin with in how we built the decks but uh, it was great um facing the mirror seeing someone else uh, working on this beauty uh, warmed up my heart. Match three was against Goblins, and this was probably the best match of the evening. Game one, I lost to a Turman Goblin Lackey to Muxus' Goblin Grandee, and sort of I just scooped, uh, you know, on the draw. Like, <laughs> I don't have the removal, I'm not gonna win this. Uh, game two, I won off uh, resolving a quite early Curse of Misfortunes, which made me subsequently get, of course, Overwhelming Splendor, and Dread of Night, and I think uh, Robin you scooped at that point uh, realizing that this was probably not gonna go your well. But then game three was this amazing grind fest. I had great threats, Robin had really all the best answers at the very right moment in this amazing tennis match of a game. There was a relic of progenitors from my first arena rector. I eventually got to remove it with an Assassin's Trophy, and then Robin top decked a Wasteland for my top deck, Living Wish, that got me a Phyrexian Tower. And then I resolved Grist the Hungered Tide, but I milled my second copy of Phyrexian Tower, so I didn't have a sack outlet for the second Arena Rector I resolved. And then eventually uh, I, I get a Grist on the board, but uh, Robin has Goblin Crater Maker, so I can't get the Ugin the Spirit Dragon for any value. Uh, but then Robin forgets to port a land in my upkeep with the Rishalan port so I can resolve Karn the Great Crater, wish for a source of Spyglass, lock down Radical Progenitus. <laughs> and I, I was planning to kill the Crater Maker with the Grist, getting all the value from, um, from the Rector. But since Robin has so many different threats and the way he can interact with my board, I can't protect all of my bases at once. And there's the stalemate, I'm digging for removal. Or for an Academy Rector, because if I can get an Enchantment, uh, Omniscience, to cast the Overwhelming Splendor that's in my hand for some reason. I can take this game, but I don't get there. And of course, this is a deck that tries to find its answers without cantrips. So digging is a slow, <laughs> a slow affair. And eventually, Robin gets to resolve Airwig Squad with a Prowl cost, and that's the match.
2: Oh, man. I only have one comment, and it's you need to get more reps in with Grist so you don't plus on your Phyrexian tower.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind.
2: <laughs> when I pick up the card, I and I always hit Aluren. Now I only hit Uro. But yeah, get more reps in, don't mill those towers.
0: I will second that. And I'll also tell you about the fourth match I played. Uh, I only played two games, so 1-1, against Fantastic Brew. Built around General Ferocious Rockrick. So, who, which one of you can tell me what General Ferocious Rockrick is?
2: I'm gonna guess. Is it the multicolored card?
0: It is a multicolored card.
2: The One that gives you a four-four artifact creature every time you cast a multicolored card.
0: Hey, here we go. General Ferocious Rockrick, one white and red legendary creature, human soldier, hexproof from monocolored. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a 4 for red and white Golem Artifact Creature token. (laughs) So much on this card, it's just so weird. But in game 1, my opponent, who plays, of course, a deck with only uh, multicolored spells, just puts out a huge amount of, of um, golems. I have this blocking team of rectors and uh, other guys that I want to sacrifice. And in the end, I get swamped by these tokens. Even though I get to resolve or, or in Splendor, I'm sort of on six life and he just sort of alpha swings with a couple of one ones, and that's the game. And in game two, I won with uh, Karn and Standing Bridge and Marcus and Gladys. But the brew I faced, uh, I mean, perhaps it was a bit of a fragile brew. It was sort of, he put it together just sort of a couple of hours earlier. But I think there is something here. I think General Ferrous Rocky Rick could be more than a meme. Uh, I hope my opponent uh, keeps on uh, working on that.
3: You could put it in a check pile. You already play like <laughs> 50 multicolored.
2: <laughs> 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 I, actually, I actually only know about this card due to... Uh, I, get, I get a lot of uh, YouTube recommendations for a, a streamer called Aspiring Spike on youtube he's a modern player if this card was featured in in one of video and i was like is that Tarek or some other you know like boros legend and i'm like oh press uh, press the video and i'm like oh this is a lot better you know he had mana Morphosis, helixes you know it looked like a real deck and with check pile yeah i can i can cut some of my sylvan libraries and uh, stuff just to make it like
1: super greedy
0: Fuck those ponders, just get you know iterations instead, exactly. Metamorphose,
1: (laughs) kill a cantrip, (laughs) just get him dead, (laughs) metamorphose into Strix. Go
0: (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. and looking at the future of me playing uh, Rector Fate. I think uh, I'm considering to add a Caracas to the 75, deal with I guess specifically Marietal Age. I could put it in the sideboard as I play some Living Wishes, or perhaps just add it to the land package, Uh, but then again. Another route could be to add more removal. I'm thinking specifically vanishing verse, which of course exiles. But then again, I did play it earlier when I played the Jorian version, so I could just jam all these cards in. And sometimes you sort of, you have this vanishing verse and there's this artifact or multicolored permanent that you want to exile and you just can't. And it's sort of And also I'd have to think about what I would trim in that case. But for now, at least the opposition agents are gonna stay in. They do a lot of nice work. What about you, Joel? Have you had any paper play done recently other than uh, Trolleywood?
1: Yeah, actually we got together this Saturday at a cafe in Uppsala. Seven of us, I think we were, and played some Legacy. Uh, so I was the odd one out for most of the time, but I got to look at and coach and enjoy some nice plays. We had a Band Control versus Blue White Ursa, Matchup and I think the the guys played at least an hour for game one and possibly two hours for the match. But I played uh, Band Control, uh, Anorog's newest list I think, or it was the newest by then. Uh, so Dress Downs, Shark Typhoons, no Ice Fangs at that point, and it was really fun. I got to play The Mirror and win it 2-1. And super tight and super interesting. And I got to play against lands. I've played a little control before and it feels like such an improvement with the new cards. A lot of flash threats, main deck answers for loam, main deck answers for libraries and explorations and velicate explorations. The way I lose is uh, just to have like exploration into denial into multiple engines and that's the only way. Yeah, and I think many lands lists uh, have been cutting down on the engine cards due
3: to Ursa as well, taking the, the places.
1: Yeah, I think my friend who plays lands, he didn't play Sagas. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's older, but he had an alternative versions with uh, with field and depths. All right, oh, that's um, cool. I mean, I, I like playing against lands because it's always like super tight and same thing there, like you got to play it safe but not too safe as a blue deck and it's uh, always like a tricky judgment call like what place to make but uh, yeah that's that's so fun
0: So, Joel, earlier we talked about how you took down Trolleywood with Blue-Red Delver, uh, with Braggavants and all that other new jazz. Recently, and in your deck as well, we've seen people arguing and putting their sort of, you know, work that work as well. And that it's time to cut Delver secrets from this deck or at least trim a couple of copies. Uh, what is your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's way more open than it has been, and you know, like the previous talk about, oh, Delver is too good for Legacy. It's like, yeah, I think you could ban Delver. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I just actually, when I when um, I got home from work today, I saw Rich Kelly was streaming uh, a Delver list completely Delverless. So just uh, Ragavans, Chandlers, and Murktides, and I think it looked very good. I'm not really sure what's the best. I think it's kind of up in the air, because there are, like, everything from 0 to 4 Delvers. But I would say uh, my reason for trying the deck I did is um, the Delver is just a beater, and all of the other cards do something. Except for the Murtide, I guess, but that's, like, a two-turn clock, so... It's a great beater. (laughs) Yeah, it's a super beater. I think one-drops, of course, are super good, I think you want at least eight. I like ten at least. I think twelve is probably not bad either. So, to each his own at this moment, and we'll see. It feels like uh, Chalice, good card as
2: it is in these matchups, because some some people are saying you know Chalice doesn't really do anything due to Merc Tide, but but it, it does actually do something, and I think having uh, being able to shave one one drops because all of the like choices you have are just extremely powerful is really interesting. And they are kind of not really interchangeable. I think what, what the deck is trying to achieve now kind of makes Delver the card to cut. Um, with Merc Tides and Ragavan, you know, if you go down on Ragavans, uh, I think it's the biggest, uh, turn one play you can make Ragavan over Delver now.
1: Legacy is so blue at the moment. Like, I, I look through the list and it's like it's just Band Control, Jeskai Saga, Blue Red Delver, m- maybe some other stuff, but. Doomsday. So many blue <laughs> decks. And yeah. Ragawan is just always the threat you want turn one against the blue decks. Uh, then the other thing is the Merktide. And I think. I played four Merktide. Could be three, but. It's the strongest threat in the mirror, it really just like shuts down the end game and if you can't answer it, you die so swiftly. So, to enable four Merktides, I think Chandler's gotta be in the deck.
3: I, I think the same, that uh, the deck is more of a Merktide deck than <laughs> perhaps a Delver deck. And so, so, so Delver is like the only guy, because all of the other guys, they will die because the meta is so full of removal. So. Delver is the only guy that doesn't really do
1: anything on his own. His is just a beater, as they say. Just a free 2 flying for one. I mean, it's still the, still the most reliable fast clock. Because it's more often going to be a 3-power dude on turn 2 than anything else. But,
2: yeah. It's... And harder to hate on. I mean, uh, both uh, Dread, like uh, Dragon Ray Chandler and The Monkey... Can get hated on easier,
1: I think, than a Delber. Rest in peace, looking good again.
2: Yeah, rest in peace, looking good, and just like... Here is a 1-2 blocker. <laughs> or here's a Falia. And you're looking at your monkey, you're like, Yep, these are dead. <laughs> you're just throwing two cards, two other copies of Ragavan that you have in your hand. Just on the side of the table, like until you draw a Brainstorm. Then you pick them up again.
1: I mean, I think you can't really cut Ragavan. Because uh, the... The ceiling is too high, but to me it's the most boring threat in the deck. Because it's like, it's either a hundred or zero. It's either crushing the matchup or it's just like, oh, I got Stonewalled, I don't do anything. I don't know what to think about that design philosophy, where it's like this one drop that can just win it all on its own or be nothing.
0: It isn't very elegant, perhaps. I was thinking uh, i was thinking Robin what you said about Merktide Regents being um, sort of um, probably the, the best creature in this deck in a way. Also of course gets me thinking that in this coming 6-8 months we might see a lot of interesting new decks form around just the Merktide being such a good card. I
1: just saw a Stoneforge list with two Tides in this weekend's challenge. Yeah, that's super sweet. And uh... I, t- I tried two copies, and you played
2: against this, Victor. I tried two copies in my Doomsday sideboard, because who kn- who knew that if you have one in play in resolve a Doomsday, you just one-shot the opponent most of the time.
3: Well, I, I think that uh, regarding the Delver or not Delver discussion, it's a little bit of a meta choice, right? Say that there's a combo deck that, that sort of can... Uh, There's new printing that uh, makes a combo deck much stronger, sort of like the Breach era or something like that. So if that's like the enemy number one, I think you want to to play your Delvers in your Delver deck because it's the fastest
1: clock. Yeah, I think so too. And at that point, my Yuga might go down to like two Merc Tides or something. Exactly. We'll see. We're still like... The meta is shaking out. I would say also, the Delver is a possible pyroblast magnet in the mirror if you can draw out some pyroblasts from your opponent's hand and then get the murktide, uh that delver has been a good boy yeah that's pretty that's pretty crazy
2: uh, i was just thinking about what you just said about the the <laughs> the breach imagine if breach was legal today and you had tide. how many instants and sorceries leaves your graveyard if you're doing some shenanigans <laughs> you know like comboing off and then you're like I would like to move to combat and just attack once with the Merc Tide.
1: Imagine Chandler in a Breach deck.
2: Yeah, like stuff like that would just be crazy. It was a good ban. It was a good ban.
0: Soon in a cube near you. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, while we talk about Blue Delver, we also, of course, must ask you, Joel, please, to judge us on our choices uh, for the first Basic Land Connoisseur panel in which we had this deck featured in uh, this podcast, episode number five. To remind listeners, uh, Christopher suggested Island Version 2 from Mirage and uh, the Mountain from Arabian Nights. Robin picked an Island from Raneke Guildkit, card number 27 from that, and the Mountain from 10th Edition, card number 377. I went for the Strixhaven Island and Mountain, card numbers 369 and 372, respectively. But what is the correct answer from a deck champion, Joel?
1: Well... Uh, I've looked at your choices, and Christopher, yours is the one closest to my heart. Old, classy, uh, that's where I want to be. Both look good, I like them. Uh, not my preferred arts, but um, yeah, I- I'd like to see them across the board. Douglas Schuler, let's go. Yeah, OG is good. Robin, uh, I got nothing for those, I don't really like them, either one, sorry. That's okay. New borders, new arts, No. That's fine. Victor, your reasoning is really good. I feel like if there was basic lands in Modern Horizons 2, they had to be better than all the other basic lands, right? Obviously. So you should play them. Newer cards are better than old cards. But I also like the art, actually, from the Strixhaven. It's just that they shouldn't be on magic cards. They should be like on a wall or on a painting. It's made for a a bigger picture
0: a lot of the art direction on basic lands that are newer these feel like they should be at least 10 inches or 25 30 centimeters by square so you can appreciate that art
1: there's a lot of beautiful art now and i feel like there was a period when i didn't really like the art but i like the art again i just want to see it on a Something bigger than a card.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Richard Kane Ferguson is, is doing magic art again. I'm like, fuck Secret Lair. Just sell me the prints. Like, I'm going to buy that.
2: Speaking of bigger prints, I'm I'm super psyched uh, because uh, my wife did the, uh, what's it called, GoFundMe for Seb McKinnon's uh, project that he had. And I'm getting... I'm getting one of his uh, Secret Lair original, his his uh, acrylic painting of uh, Sour of Temptation on a playmat within soon, And it's like one of the prettiest pictures I've seen in Magic. And it's, and that's new, so there's hope. Seb McKinnon is just a beast at drawing.
1: Yeah, I, I, Seb is the best thing that happened to Magic Art in like five years, I think. I, I ordered the Damnation and the Swamp playmat, so looking forward to that. So, but for my choice in basics, as I said, Old Border, OG, these are Alpha, and Signed, I love Signed cards, so, Alpha Signed, Islands and Mountains, yeah, they're Schuler and Mark Poole, I don't really remember what version, I think the island is version 2, and the mountain maybe 1? So the island is the, the purple one, right? Yeah, like the the medium dark, because there's one island that's super light and one that's super dark, and this is in the middle and purple.
0: And the mountain is the blue mountain, essentially. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I I really like that island. I
2: played uh, almost, I think, 12, uh, 12 of those alpha islands in my Merfolk deck.
0: As did I in my tech.
2: I recently sold all but three because uh, daddy needs a new hip no i was I was buying uh, some some uh, fancy fancy new jewels, uh, so I needed some cash. It's crazy how expensive they are now.
1: Yeah, I haven't even looked at the price of the Alpha Basics. but don't do it I, I guess <laughs>
2: you'll 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 go through the temptation.
0: I sold my Alpha basics and I bought this microphone, so that's where I'm at. And that's all we have for this week, listeners. We do hope that you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. And if you did indeed have a good time, consider recommending it to a friend and spread the word. And if someone wants to reach out to us, where can we be found, Robin?
3: You can find me on Facebook. That's where I do most of my magic
0: interactions.
3: You can find me on
1: Monolith MTG on Twitter.
0: Joel, do you have a social media presence?
1: Basically just Facebook and Discord and... Uh... My name, Joel Greenhead, is the name on both of them. So you can hit me up, tell me who you are, or I might not accept you.
0: <laughs> and you can find me at Drogo on Twitter. And that's the end of the 11th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Svensen and Christopher Wigström. Very special thank you to our guest, Joel Greenhead. My name is Victor Bernhards. Our amazing music is written by Frönes. Check them out on Spotify. Until next time, remember that apes are strong together.